Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Today is a great day for a lot of reasons, and it was a great day yesterday as we celebrated Pastor Trevor and Lauren Heineman announcing that they are pregnant, absolutely, and I'm so excited about that uh, for a lot of reasons. You can, you can go to their Facebook pages and Instagram pages and kind of see their journey and their story that they've been tracking over the last few years, but Corey and I and our kids were so thrilled uh, for them, just the blessing of, of, of a new child joining their family. Uh, March, I think, 2021, little girl coming, and, uh, and I'm excited about it. I'm still holding out hope it's twins, but I, they, everybody tells me that's not possible anymore. So, man, you know, it's just it's a great, great blessing for their family. And, uh, and so we're thankful for that. And it was reminding me yesterday as we were celebrating with them, just I was reflective about new things and, uh, you know, next Sunday kind of ends a tenure for Pastor Matt Popham and Pastor Steve Mallow and their families as they prepare to go and launch a new church. And so uh, next Sunday will be their final Sunday with us. And I encourage you to be here. We want to pray over their families and really honor their commitment to our church over the last several years. But I'm excited about the new thing that God is going to do uh, through them uh, in a new community. And so we're thankful for that as they plant a new church early in 2021 as well. And so we want you to be here next week for that. But that also opens up some ministry opportunities. And so we've been looking at our staff, evaluating some things, reorganizing some things internally, and also looking outside to see what that would look like for us. And uh, beginning on October the 4th, Sunday, October the 4th, we'll welcome Andrew Williams as our new worship director. Uh, we're excited about that. Andrew's been with us for uh, a couple of different times over the course of the, year, the last several years. And then really recently over the last several weeks, he's been with our team leading uh, and Andrew's a great guy. I, I've known him for a long time. He comes to us from Mount Perrin North. Uh, and then he also most recently comes to us from Free Chapel under the leadership of Pastor Jensen Franklin. Been a part of their school of ministry, led at several of their uh, campuses and locations. And so we're excited for him to join our team. So that will begin October the 4th. We'll have more information on some other things that we're doing ministry-wise, leadership-wise. We wanted to let you know that as well. Uh, a couple things that are coming up we just want you to know about. I, I mentioned last Sunday, and some of you responded immediately. You've seen it and heard about it maybe today as we've already talked about it. But this coming Friday, even though it's a fall break, and, and if you don't have kids, you're like, why do they keep referencing that? Because we do have so many families that that affects. But even though it's a fall break in our school system, we are not breaking from ministry activities, obviously. So this coming Friday, September 25th, we are hosting the American Red Cross here for a blood drive. And maybe that's something you're like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. And that's okay. If you do not want to serve in this local missions opportunity to give blood, you can sign up to serve in G Kids. Those are your two options. Um, that was funnier than some of you gave it credit for right there. I'm kidding, but seriously, though, okay? Uh, but no, we want you to give blood. Uh, over 800,000 blood donation appointments were canceled because of quarantine over the last several months. And, uh, and man, so many people in our community and, and in our region at large uh, are dependent on, no pun intended, this life-giving resource. And so we want to be a part of the solution. So we're partnering with the American Red Cross. We have a little, maybe about half of our targeted slots filled. And so we would love for you to, to participate you can go online on our Facebook and Instagram. There's a link there for registration that registers you through their site. Uh, I'm giving, and if you don't sign up, I've got to give three or four times, and so that would be dangerous. Again, you're going to have to loosen up today, folks. That was hilarious. Um, it wasn't really that funny, but I need you to loosen up. Hang with me today. Uh, so sign up next Friday. 
for the blood drive. We want you to be a part of that. It's going to be a really great day, just helping meet some needs here in our local community. I'm excited about today because we are continuing in the series that we started last week called Heart Smarts, Guts, and Luck. This was a book that I read several years ago. None of the content really comes from that book, but I stole the title because I loved it so much. It was looking at business leaders, entrepreneurs, and how they found success. And it talked about some of them found success through heart and passion. Some of them found success through smarts and really strategy. Some of them found success through their guts, their risk takers. And then others, it was like their luck. They just kind of seemed to always be in the right place at the right time all the time. And so they looked at those stories and really tried to determine what that looked like for other business leaders that were looking to start companies and that kind of thing. I stole the title because I loved it so much in the context of how does God accomplish his plans in our lives? You know, here's what I want you to know. I said this last week. I will say it each of these four weeks. God has a plan for your life. I believe with all of my heart that God has a plan for your life. I may not know what that plan is. You may not have a full understanding of what that plan is. But whether you're 15 or 75 or somewhere in between, maybe you're single or married, maybe you feel like you have made so many mistakes, there's no way that God could still use you for his purposes. I would say to you, don't believe the lies of the enemy. God has a plan for your life, and whether you have chosen at different seasons of time not to participate in that plan, the reality that God has a plan has never changed. He has a plan for you. And I talked last week about the idea that one of my favorite verses of Scripture uh, was because it was one of my dad's, or is one of my dad's favorite verses of Scripture, because his mom made him memorize it as a child, and so my parents really helped us to memorize this as a child. It comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And I said that this is the theme verse for us for these four weeks. We're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We're going to lean not in our own understanding, our own smarts. We're going to do everything we can to follow after him, the guts of of being obedient and following after him. And when we do that, we're going to see him direct our paths, the sovereignty and providence of God as he leads us on the paths that we should go. And this is the theme verse for us over these four weeks. And so last week we talked about heart. We talked about the idea that for us to really allow God to use our heart to accomplish his will in our life, we have to surrender our heart to him first and foremost. But then we believe that God uses our heart and the passions of our heart and the burdens of our heart to really help draw us into his plans. And we looked at the story of Nehemiah. And so I would love for you to go back and listen to the podcast or maybe watch it on our YouTube channel. So many people reached out this week to say, man, that's right where I'm at. That's right where I'm living. God used that message to speak truth into my heart or remind me of some things. And again, that's not me. That is the Lord. But I encourage you to go and catch up on this series because I believe this could be a series that helps so many to really find the plans of God for your life. So today we want to talk about smarts. And when I say smarts, I'm not going to define it because I think we all have a basic understanding of what we mean when we talk about smarts. Whether you're talking about IQ or in recent years EQ, when you're talking about some type of aptitude for you to have some ability to understand the things that are necessary for you to find success in life. Maybe you have common sense, maybe you have some street smarts or book smarts. When we talk about smarts, it could mean a lot of things. But when we're talking about smarts in this series, I really want us to 
to go to God's Word to understand a way that I believe in the New Testament there is a great differentiation between two thoughts that we might have about what it means to be smart in the context of God and in the context of God's will and God's plan for our lives. And for us to do this, I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you, if you know the Bible, you have some context. This is where the Apostle Paul is laying out spiritual gifts. He's talking to us about being empowered by the Spirit of God to accomplish great things. And this is what it says in verse 8. It says, To one there is given the Spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of of the same spirit. Now, this is the first of two letters that the Apostle Paul writes to the city, the, the group of people in the city of Corinth. And he's writing to them in this letter about what it means to live by faith and to really construct a community of faith. And here in 1 Corinthians 12, he's responding to them about some questions that they had potentially, we think, based on the, the content of this letter, they had submitted to him in advance, like what it means to live in community with one another and what it means to worship together and how do we bring order to that and how does the Spirit of God flow freely in our gatherings, but as it's flowing, flowing freely, it also has some order so we understand what's happening. And so here he begins to unpack in 1 Corinthians 12, and then later again in verse 14, he starts talking about spiritual gifts. And he says that there is one Spirit. That's what we believe. There is one Holy Spirit, and that Spirit of God, that one and the same Spirit, gives to many in the body different gifts. And there's a number of gifts listed there in 12, in chapter 12, again in verse 14, in chapter 14, others, other places in the book of Romans. We see it throughout the New Testament and even into the Old Testament, some places and some ways that the Spirit empowers us to live in community and be used by the Spirit of God for His purposes. And that's what we're talking about. We want to be used by God. And so as he's talking about this, he says that to one, to one person, they might be given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. And to yet another, through that same Spirit, they might be used to give a message of knowledge. Now the words here, wisdom and knowledge, are two words that we would probably use to kind of help define smarts, right? If somebody's smart, they probably have knowledge. If somebody's smart, maybe they have wisdom. And so if we were to try to define this together, we might use these words to define it, wisdom and knowledge. But I believe that when we really unpack what the Apostle Paul is saying here, but also to understand these words, they actually mean two different things. The word knowledge is to know something, right? To have a, a, a truth deposited into your mind, to understand facts. If I'm sitting in a math class and my teacher teaches me a formula or teaches me a way that I can get to an answer, it's just, hey, I now have a knowledge. Two plus two equals four, right? I've got that knowledge now. That fact is filed away in my brain. I know something, and that's knowledge. There is a little bit of a difference, though, when we start talking about wisdom, because wisdom could be defined as truth or knowledge applied. It's the ability for me to sit at a test, and I'm taking that test, and not just to you know, think, okay, well, I've got this problem in front of me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Wisdom says I can recall the knowledge that I have and apply it to this problem. So if a teacher taught me 2 plus 2 equals 4, and they taught me how to arrive at that answer, wisdom tells me that if they change the problem to 3 plus 3 equals 6, I know how to apply the truth, the facts that I was given, to find the answer in this setting, in this context. And so when I start thinking about that in my own life, I start thinking about the fact that there are a number of times that I have learned a truth. There's a number of times that I have learned a fact. 
But I don't always apply those facts when I get to certain situations in my life. You ever met anybody that, man, they had tons of knowledge, but they really lacked wisdom? Don't raise your hand. Don't hit your spouse. You know, don't, don't, don't elbow anybody beside you. But, man, they had a ton of knowledge, but they lacked some wisdom. It was like, man, they have so many things in their brain. I, I said last week that we are exposed to so much information I can sit and I can scroll and I can read news article after news article. I can go find statistics. I can find stories. I can find out about people. I don't know how you watch movies. In our house, the way that we watch movies is we turn the movie on, and because we have four kids in our house, we pause that movie 11,000 times before we're able to end the actual movie. But what happens, the way that Corey likes to watch the movie is we turn it on, and as soon as the main character comes on the screen, we pause the movie to look that character up to find out who they are, where they live, how many kids they have, what their favorite color is, right? Because she wants to know the backstory about this person because it makes the story more relatable to her. But the idea for all of us is that when we have knowledge, it's a matter of how do we apply that in our lives, in the context of the everyday life that we have. And so when I start thinking about wisdom and knowledge, here's how I might define it. Knowledge can give an answer, but wisdom can give advice. Knowledge can give an answer, but wisdom can give advice. It's not just knowing something. It's knowing how to apply that something. It's knowing how to say to someone, hey, listen, if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do with that. Here's, here's how I would take what you know and put it into practice right here. So often in my life, if I'm just being honest with you, so often in my life, I have had to circle back and relearn some lessons because I didn't apply the truth that I learned the first time around. And God is helping me to learn them again and learn them again until I can rightfully apply those things in the settings, the circumstances, and the context that I find myself in today. So here's some questions. We're going to come back to some questions at the end, but here's some questions that maybe you could ask. What has God taught me, and how have I applied it? If I think back over my life, I think back over the circumstances of my life, what has God taught me, and how have I applied it? Or if you go, I can't, I can't even go back that far. I can't remember all of those things. I'm not really sure what that would even look like. Then put it in the present context. What is God teaching me, and how am I applying it? How might I apply this in the future? What is God teaching me right now? The circumstances I'm walking through, the things that I'm walking through, I don't yet know how it's going to play out. I don't yet know how it's going to end. I don't know what the results may be, but what might God be teaching me here, and how might I apply those things? I want to tell you two stories quickly with the time that we have left. In, in the Old Testament, we have the story of the children of Israel, and, and really the, the story of the children of Israel is encapsulated in the entire story of the, of the Old Testament. But really, I want to focus on kind of the parts of the story that we find in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, like that, that place there in those maybe first few books after you get out of Genesis, where we find them coming out of captivity. Moses is leading them out of captivity, and the power of God has been on display for them. They've been in bondage in Egypt, and then God, supernaturally, the, the plagues come, and, and we see so many things that are happening, and yet they're spared, and then we see the Passover, and they're spared, and then they march out, and when they get there, the enemy's chasing after them, and they come to a barrier in front of them, and God rolls back the waters, and they walk across on dry land, and man, you would think in that moment, there's no way that they could ever forget the demonstration of the power of God that they had just seen. And you know how long it took them to forget? About three days. 
About three days later, their stomachs are grumbling. They start to complain, and they say, we are starving. We're hungry. We should just go back to Egypt because when we were in Egypt, we had all the food that we would want. If you love food, which, you know, you're in the 11 o'clock service, so you're already thinking lunch. So if you love food, go read that story because it says, when we were in Egypt, we had all the pots of meat we could ever want. Hello, somebody, right? It's like when we were in Egypt, they had a Brazilian steakhouse, right? I mean, it's like the amazing. So they're, they're saying, hey, three days later, we've forgotten all that God has done. We've forgotten to apply the faith that we really had the eyes to see. And now we don't know if God can come through or not. And it's like so easy to look at those people and go, what in the world are you thinking? You just saw the Passover. You just saw the miraculous walking across on dry land. Like how in the world could you forget God in that span of time? And yet I start to think about my own kids. Corey and I are raising three amazing young men of God who frustrate the mess out of me so often. Pretty much every mealtime is when I get frustrated. Because when they start talking about how hungry they are, it's as if they've never eaten a meal, ever. I mean, Cooper, I'm not going to say his name, but Cooper, our oldest, he, um, he will get to mealtime and he'll be like, Dad, I'm starving. I'm starving. I'm like, you just ate. There's no way you're that hungry. Yesterday, I kid you not, I fed him two lunches. Two, we ate and then we drove where we were going and he was like, Dad, I'm so hungry. I'm like, you just ate. He was like, Dad, I, I'm, I'm starving. I'm like, okay. So we fed him again. He's starving, right? Well, he's not really starving. He's hungry. When our bellies begin to grumble, we begin to grumble. Everybody, anybody ever had a case of the hangries, right? You just get a little bit hungry and angry all at one time. I and mean, this is what's happening to the children of Israel. They forget the God who's provided for them because they got a little hungry. So God provides. God supernaturally says, hey, here's food. You don't have to do anything except collect the miraculous. You don't have to do anything. Just go outside and just pick up the blessings. You don't have to hunt for this. It's right there on your doorstep every single day. And so they remember for a season, and then they get thirsty, and God has to provide after they've grumbled and complained. And then Moses goes up to the mountain, and God's laying out the Ten Commandments. And, and, and he's not been gone for like nine years. He's just been gone a few days and they start looking around like, who are we going to worship now? Moses is not here to tell us to worship God, so we got to find somebody else. Aaron, will you get some, let's gather some things together. Let's make some idols and altars, and let's worship whatever we just decide to worship because they forgot again. Now, here's, here's the scary truth, okay? Here's the scary truth. In the story of the children of Israel, there were a number of people, an entire generation of people who missed out on the promises of God because they could not apply what they knew about God to their present circumstances. They actually missed the promised land. They missed the promises and the blessings of God because they refused to learn the lesson. And God continued to give them a number of opportunities to learn. Here's who I am, and here's how you can apply what you know about who I am to your present circumstances. And because they refused to learn, they missed out on the promises of God. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And so the, the question becomes, then what do we do? It has to be about more than knowledge. It must be about wisdom. It must be about applying what we know about God. Let me tell you a New Testament story. 
One of my favorite characters in the New Testament is the story of Peter, one of the disciples. I love Peter because he always tends to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and he tends to kind of rush out there and do what he thinks is right, and so often it's not right. Okay, so here's a great example of something he did that was right. He's in the boat. Jesus comes out on the water. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Jesus says, come on. He hops out of the boat and walks on water unbelievable story of faith. And you would think, man, okay, he's, he's learned this lesson of who Jesus is. There's another time where Jesus says, hey, who are people saying that I am? Who are people claiming that I claim to be? And they give a bunch of answers, and Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And you're like, all right, Peter, you've got this. And Jesus is like, you're right. I am the son of God, and it's not you who knew this. It was my Father in heaven who allowed you to know this, who allowed you to say this. And you're like, okay. Now, Peter has been given the words to say by God the Father about Jesus the Son. This is awesome. Surely he would never mess up after that. Surely he would know about God and know who God is. Man, he's going to get it every time. And yet we come to Jesus' arrest in the garden, and Peter's like, okay, surely this is my moment. I'm going to chop a guy's ear off in defense of Jesus. He, he needs my help. He can't defend himself by himself. I'm going to take care of this. He chops the guard's ear off. And I don't know, when I read it, I just sense when Jesus picks up the ear to put it back on the guard, he just kind of rolls his eyes at Peter like, seriously, I'm being arrested, and this is what I have to stop and do? Okay, Peter, I got you. And he puts the ear back on. And it's like maybe Peter hasn't learned all that he's supposed to know about the plans of God. And then Jesus is arrested, and he's standing on trial. And Peter is standing outside of the trial. And a little girl comes up to him and says, hey, aren't, aren't you one of the guys that was with Jesus? Like, aren't, like the guy that's on trial, like, you're one of his friends, right? Like, I mean, you were in the 12, and not only were you in the 12, you were in the 3, and like, you're, you're, you're close, you're tight. And Peter's like, no, that's not me. And I'm paraphrasing now, but like the second time, like, they're like, yeah, I mean, you, weren't you the guy that like by faith walked on water? And weren't you the guy that like, you knew that he was the son of God because of the impartation of God into you? No, not me. A third time, they're like, yeah, I think I recognize like you're, your accent. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, you're the guy. And he's like, no, not me. The rooster crows. He realizes this is exactly what Jesus told him would happen. He didn't learn what he needed to learn. He didn't apply what he had learned. He had knowledge of who Jesus was, but he didn't have the wisdom to apply it by faith in moments of persecution, in moments of hardship, in moments of trial. Different than the story of the children of Israel, Peter had the opportunity to redeem himself. The day of Pentecost, and there were other places along the journey, but on the day of Pentecost, under the power of God, the Spirit of God, Peter stands to proclaim, not afraid as he was on the night of Jesus' arrest. Not afraid, but he stands boldly in the streets and he proclaims who Jesus is and that people can be saved. He did not miss out on the plans of God. God used him mightily, and he was able to apply what he had previously experienced to his present experience and be used by God. That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for me, that God would allow all of us to be used by him in supernatural ways. And it's so easy when I read the Bible to look at these stories of individuals 
to read the story of the children of Israel, to read the story of Peter, to read the story that I read in the book of Acts and later in the New Testament of Paul and, and see all of these amazing things and recognize that the power of Scripture is that I'm learning about God. But it's also as easy for me to live my life and assume that all of the details of my life are about me. But what if the details of my life, like the details of their lives, is actually all about God? What if the things that I'm walking through today and the things that I walked through yesterday and the things that I will walk through tomorrow, what if all of those things exist in my life to teach me who God is and how God interacts with me and what I should know and how I should apply that into the circumstances I walk into tomorrow and next week and next month so that by faith and trusting in God, I can accomplish God's plans in my life. How would my life be different if every single circumstance, every single success, every single setback, every interaction was an opportunity to learn about God? I believe our lives would be completely different. Completely different. If we would trust God enough to say, God, what am I supposed to learn right now? And how should I apply it? So I've got some questions for you today. Some questions that maybe you jot down in the margin of your Bible. Maybe you put these in the notes app on your phone or device that you could just kind of come back to on a semi-regular basis. Some filtering questions that perhaps God would use to make sure that we don't miss what God's trying to do in and through us so that God can accomplish His plans in our lives. Here's those questions. What have you taught me? What have you taught me? In the things that I've walked through, in the experiences that I've had, in the things that took place in previous seasons of my life, what have you taught me? Or maybe, what are you teaching me right now? I don't even know how it's going to turn out. I'm not really sure how this plays out. I don't know how this thing ends. I'm not sure how all of this comes together. But what are you teaching me right now? And then perhaps the most important question that you could ask is how am I applying that? How am I applying all of that? Everything that God has done, everything that God is doing, all that God has allowed, how am I applying all of this into my understanding of who God is and into my understanding of how God may use it for His glory, not for mine, for His purposes, not for mine, for His plans and His will, not mine, through my life. God, what are you teaching me? And how can I apply it? I believe for all of us, heart smarts, guts, and luck. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. And whether it's surrendering our whole heart to God, allowing God to use the passions and burdens He's placed inside of our heart for His purposes, or it is us learning who He is and learning how to apply it, we'll find ourselves right in the middle of God's plan for us. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around, just a moment of reflection between you and God. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I know that I need to respond because I am a sinner in need of a Savior. 
I need God to forgive my sins and to lead my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at here in the room today? Thank you so much. You can put it right down. If you would say online today, hey, that's me. I'm responding now for salvation. Just type that in the comments there. Click the button in the chat. Let us know how you're responding today. We want to pray for you and help you take next steps. Now, if you'd say, Jeremy, for me, I know that what I need to do is I need to apply what I'm learning about God. I I need to make sure I don't miss the lessons that God is teaching me, and I need to learn how to apply those better. I need to use wisdom in my life to apply who He is in the present circumstances that I'm walking through right now, and I want God to use all of my past experiences, the good and the bad, for His purposes. If that's you, would you just lift your hands today? Thank you so much. Those online, let us know. That's how you're responding today. We want to pray for you. God, we thank you today that you hear us when we pray. We thank you, God, that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. And God, we ask now that you would respond to those who have lifted their hands. They've typed something into a chat box somewhere. God, I just pray now for those who have acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. We give this opportunity every time we gather because we don't know the condition of every person's heart, but God, we believe you do. And as you draw them to conviction, you draw them through your kindness to salvation, God. We ask for the opportunity now to present that need to them. And God, that they would respond to you. Thank you for forgiving sins right now, changing eternities right now. And God, I pray for every person that lifted their hand or responded in some way today to say, I want to be more about wisdom and not just about knowledge. I don't want to just know who God is. I want to know how to apply who God is to my present circumstances. I want to make sure I've learned the lessons that I needed to learn in previous moments, the good and the bad. God, help us to apply those things. Help us not to miss all that you're doing in our lives and all that you desire to do through our lives because we just have lacked wisdom. Your word tells us to ask for it and you'll give it to us. So God, help us to do that. God, we thank you that everything we do is not about us. It can be about you and your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship today. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.